Uh, hello, good morning, everyone. Um, you're in for hopefully a treat. Um, thank you again for joining me for today's Daily Breath. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. All right, so please, please pray with me. Father God, we, we thank you so much for gathering us here today to spend a few minutes of our day to learn more about your word. Obviously, you deserve way more than just a few minutes, but I pray that even through this short lesson, the Holy Spirit would speak to each of us individually, and we would listen to what you're saying to each of us. I also pray that this lesson on sin would leave a lasting impression on all of us, and that it would be a reminder of how ridiculous that you are, that you not only want to know us, but how much you love us. And I pray all this in, our, in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Um, as Pastor Paul mentioned, this is a pretty lengthy passage, so so bear with me. It's again, Romans 7, 7 through 25. Um, I'm reading from the NIV version. Okay. <clears throat> Let's go. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting, coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, <clears throat> deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. But, so then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring me to bring about my death, and so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Soul is a slave to sin. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. For what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer my, I myself who do it, but it is a sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my, in, in my sinful nature. Or I have... For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. <clears throat> now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Verse 21. Um, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Lots of, lots of words, right? Um, lots of Lots to unpack, and I'm going to, to do my best, Pastor Paul impression, um, to unpack this uh, lengthy message. And like Pastor Paul said, I'm going to try and hit on a couple key points here. 
So to summarize what we're talking about here, Paul is basically writing about his own inner conflict with sin, right? In this battle that he's, he's fighting within himself in knowing what he should do versus what he actually does, right? And so I think the first thing what we need to do is to define what is the law and what is sin, right? So the Apostle Paul here is referring to the law of Moses, which is the law or the rules that the Jews during this time lived by that were given by God to Moses in the Old Testament. And so that's what the law is. That's, you know, that's, that's what he should be doing. And then, and as we learned in Cornerstone, sin or hamatria in Greek means to miss the mark, basically. So if you do anything that's, that misses the mark of what God wants you to do, um, then you're sinning. And so what the, what is the con- the consequence of sin? Well, in verse nine, it talks about it and it says basically that it's death, right? But this is not a physical death. We all kind of learned that, um, in Cornerstone, but a relational death. Um, from God, where he feels his relationship with God takes a hit. Um, and this is our first reference to the fall of man in Genesis with Adam and Eve in the garden. Okay? Uh, so that's, that's the first thing I wanted to point out, is just to, to level set and just explain what the law and sin is, right? And so then we move further on into verse 7, um, where it says, Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would have not known what sin was had it not been for the law. Um, and to me, what this verse is saying is that Paul couldn't see how good God's laws were until he was taken away from them through his sin, right? It's again, it's like if you if you eat McDonald's every day and that's all you know, you think McDonald's is great, which in my opinion, McDonald's is kind of great. But if you don't, if you never have anything else, then you don't know how good anything else is. Um, that's a very crude analogy, but there you go. Um, and so also... He wouldn't have known what coveting was in verse in verse eight until the law instructed him not to do so. Um, and that's because again, God is a selfish God and wants to be our number one. So when we put something in place of God or an antichrist, again, as we learn in Cornerstone, like wealth, family, possessions, anything else that you put in place of God, we are we are also coveting, which again leads to sin. Okay, and then so moving on into to verse eleven where it says, for sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. Again, this is a, a throwback or a reference to the fall of man in Genesis where the serpent deceived the woman Eve by twisting the commandment given by God not to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden of Eden. So again, it's, it's then referencing again some of the, some of the throwback um, laws that um, the audience here that Paul is writing to are familiar with. And so again, the commandment that Paul is talking about here in verse 8 through 13 is the original commandment of God to Adam and Eve, forbidding them to eat from the from the tree of knowledge and good and evil, um, which if we all recall from Cornerstone again, was given to us by God to protect us from ourselves. And then, But what was the consequence of Adam and Eve's actions? Well, we're all now born sinners, right? All this is leading up to, to the Apostle Paul's big reveal, which I know you can hardly wait for, but there's more. Um, so then if we move on to, to verse 14, um, there's some key, key words I wanted to focus on here. Um, so it's verse 14, basically through 24, but I'll just point out the, the key words here. So we know the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. And so then verse 23, and, but I, or sorry, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind 
and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Um, so those two key words that I want to focus on, the first one is slave. I think Don Juan talked about this um, in his in his uh, uh, presentation, I think, a couple days ago, right? And so I think the important word for here in here in slave of why it's, this is impactful is, again, if you if you understand what a slave is, right, they they are they're powerless, right? They they're they're at the beck and call of their masters. And so when when Paul is using this language here of him him being a slave, it's again this this battle that he has that he wants to be free or he wants to follow God's law, but inevitably the master of sin tells him to do otherwise. Right. I think that was kind of telling telling language that Paul uses throughout Romans, um, that I think is 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 key. Um so yeah, the passage describes his inner battle between his spiritual desire to follow God and his constant inability to do so. Because at the end, he's 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 not a he's not just a sinner, but a slave to sin, right? Um, and then so as long although he wants to be free from his sinful nature, in his mind he cannot. He's powerless because no matter how much he fights against his sinful nature, he cannot break from the bondage. Much the same as a slave can't from can't break free from his or her owner. And the other key word that I got from, from the section is the word law. Right? So again, it's, it's like an absolute. So this further illustrates that Paul's trying to win the battle against the sinful nature, but it's essentially a futile, futile battle because like the law of gravity, right? The law of gravity on earth, you can't break it. It's just, it's going to happen no matter what, right? It's, again, it's, it's absolute. So he's again showing and just demonstrating the fact that no matter how much he tries or how hard he tries, He's gonna sin. Right? That's just that's just the facts of life. And I think this is also important because it hits on something that we've heard from Pastor Paul in one of his recent mes- messages on Sunday, and also I think in previous daily breaths. Um, one I remember, one that Beth gave, and that's this notion again that no matter where you think you stand in the pecking order of holiness or righteousness, you know, basically if you're the worst sinner imaginable or the least sinner, we are not and can never be um, blameless. And there's only one. That is, and so we'll we'll talk. To, and that's that's basically what we conclude here is that Paul talks about who is completely blameless here in verse twenty four and twenty five. Right? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So basically, Paul's conclusion here after this long winded conversation about what I do, what I do not do, what I want to do, do 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 do. Um, basically, he's saying here that he needs Jesus, and at the end of the day, the only thing that can save him from his sinfulness. Is Jesus right? And he's he's basically telling um, the, the the audience here that he's not he's our not so secret weapon who delivers us, right? The law was the first part, and then Jesus is what fulfills the law. So to wrap it up, what's the life application here? Again, Paul wrote these letters to the Roman Church after Jesus' death and his resurrection, right? So he's already seen the impossible, and he's probably had plenty of time to reflect on the impact that Jesus has had on his life, right? And prior to Jesus, God's law was delivered through prophets and messengers of God. But basically, again, here, Paul is explaining that only because of Jesus is he fully delivered from his sin. Again, Jesus fulfilled the law. Um, And obviously, I'm no scholar, but I don't think Paul is coming to this conclusion so that we can all give up trying to live a life like Jesus. Rather, he wants us to be relieved and celebrate that even though we all fall short, it doesn't matter because as long as we have faith in Jesus, he makes up the difference. Um, as I was doing research, I found this 
It's really telling quote, I think that captures the essence of what Pastor Paul is trying to say here. And it's by um, Nelson Mandela. Um, I'm hopefully you guys are all kind of familiar with Nelson Mandela. He's the revolutionary, inspirational South um, African president um, who fought peacefully for equality in South Africa, who said this of himself. I am not a saint unless you think of a saint as a sinner who keeps on trying. Okay, so once again, I am not a saint unless you think of a saint as a sinner who keeps on trying. And so, again, um, we should be thankful for God's sacrifice of Jesus that absolves us of our sins every day. Okay. Let's pray really quick, and then we'll get to our dedication song. All right. God of glory, once again, we give you all the thanks and praise for being the God that loves us so much that you'd exchange the greatest gift for a wretched sinner like me. None of us are and ever will be worthy of your love, and you give it to us over and over again without hesitation. Jesus, you alone are our not-so-secret weapon against our sinful nature that we want to share with those that don't know you. Thank you for this simple yet powerful reminder that no matter how much we sin against you, our redemption is already secured through our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name I, we pray. Amen.